Welcome to Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything cinematic. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and we are keeping you on the couch once again. Boom. Some fun weekly goods ahead of us, Miss Perfect. Uh, we've got some stuff for streaming, uh, new releases for streaming, of course. We've got some stuff for Freeview. We've got some stuff. We've got a killer coming to uh, DVD and Blu-ray. And uh, we've got a couple of big movies that are going to be opening on regular streaming as well uh, over the over the next seven days. So where would you like to start then, Miss Perfect? Well, let's start with something that I think has been thoroughly snubbed at uh, this week's Golden hmm. Globes. Um, it of is, course, uh, yeah. Yeah, it is the John David Washington and Zendaya-fronted Malcolm and Marie, which is out on Netflix from today. This is directed by Sam Levinson, who has directed uh, Zendaya's Emmy Award-winning performance in Euphoria on TV. And That's it, isn't it? I was trying to remember the name of the uh, the, the high-end show she was doing now. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it, it makes total sense that he's brought her across to star in this. It's a two-hander of a movie, shot in black and white, shot during lockdown, so a very tight skeleton crew beautiful levels of different emotion and stuff because it centers around a couple who at about two o'clock in the morning arrive back from an award ceremony. John David Washington basically plays a filmmaker and Zendaya plays his girlfriend Marie who um, is the subject of the film that he's won these awards for. The big problem in any relationship and at any award ceremony is that he forgets to thank her and thus unfolds a whole plethora of problems within their relationship. You forgot to thank me, Malcolm. It's not a minor detail, that's a big one. But I've thanked you a million times before. You know that I'm thankful. You know that I'm appreciative. And you know I made a mistake, so why turn it into something more? Because it is more. What? It's our entire relationship in that show. Oh, you can't be serious. I'm dead serious. <laughs> You're psychotic. You're hyperbolic. I'm not. It's psychotic to think that forgetting to thank you is symbolic of anything other than me legitimately forgetting to thank Malcolm, you. Malcolm, you thanked 112 people tonight, okay? You thanked your mother, your gaffer, your agents, your third grade teacher, and the usher who worked at the theater when you were 12 years old and saw whatever the fuck. I didn't thank the damn usher. You know what I mean. Well, you don't have to be sarcastic and petty. I'm not just about that, right, Marie? I'm sorry. I forgot to thank you. I am genuinely sorry, which is why I apologize to you a thousand times during the movie. I think he's absolutely terrific in this like you say, like you say um, he and Zendaya both I think they have uh, they're both unquestionably committed it seems to be the, uh, the the really big thing you can't deny the uh, the level of investment they seem to have put into this part it's very much one of those ah for my love of the theatre kind of roles from a business perspective yeah it's uh, it is one of those things that I think you know they're in it for the acting right That's yes this is it. an actor's piece dear yeah which 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 is why I'm kind of surprised that they didn't... And I don't know if it's to do with scheduling or what, because obviously it's not like saying that Netflix was snubbed at the Golden Globes in general. They led it with 22 nominations for film and 20 nominations for TV. So why did this miss out? I'm not so sure. Um, It was mixed reviews, one of its uh, sort of general uh, critic reviews on Mm. this, but I don't think that should put you off. I think that there's, you know, there's elements in which I believe you should, you know, you should take this on board as this is absolute bait for the Oscars. Um, So lots more conversation around Zendaya um, and her performance, but I thought John David Washington was amazing in this and it was like the thing about this is it it's the roller coaster of emotions so what you heard in that clip was very much heightened emotions but then it will come right back down and it'll be very intense 
That's it, isn't it? It feels very raw, very unfiltered, very atmospheric as well. It's wonderfully captured. It's wonderfully staged. It feels like it's uh, it should be based on an off-Broadway play. Like, I had to look it up. I thought, there's got to be a play that this is adapting, surely. And no, and it has that feel of, like, an off-Broadway hit. Yeah, and it does feel in a play. And you know, like, sometimes that I kind of go, oh, that should have just been a play. <laughs> right? But yeah. actually, this is in a good way, like a play. And I was, mm. the performances were strong enough that I like okay let's take let's take John David Washington's dad Denzel right when he was mm-hmm. in Fences um, and I was like that felt like a play and I didn't really want to watch that on screen I wanted to watch that in the theatre this I'm happy to watch it on screen so there's so much good stuff going for it yeah that, I mean I absolutely agree I love there's a, a wonderful uh, sort of jazz flavoured score by Labyrinth yeah uh, that plays atop it like I say it's wonderfully staged and you know pun absolutely intended given the whole stage mm-hmm. play thing uh, wonderful cinematic take on a stage play despite there being no stage play also maximum love for uh, any movie of this sort of art house awards baity sort of crossover ill showing some indie love for the Lego movie, you automatically get some extra points from me. So yeah. Max props there for putting that one in the script. How many thumbs from you? I'm going to give it a one and three quarters in a way. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I just think it's not going to be for everyone. It's it's art housey. Mm. It's, it's indie. It's different. But, you know, again, I'm just going to quickly hark back to the fact that, you know, if you're going to put someone like Carrie Mulligan up as a Best Actress nominee for Promising Young Woman, just because she's doing something different to what she normally does, I think that's a travesty when you've got someone who is showing amazing range like Zendaya does at such a young age. I think it's kind of... Can, I, can I just ask, right, just just, just really quickly, yeah. without getting into the film itself, which still yeah. hasn't been released, but I happen to have seen... Have you seen Promising Young Woman yet? Yes, uh, hence my... You, you have seen it. Okay, I was just very curious if if that was like a, a qualified assertion. That on, was a qualified assertion. I... Really? Okay, okay, interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm looking forward to when that's released. Yeah. I sense we've got very different takes on it and I look forward to exploring them with you in more detail. But first, yeah. of course, I'm going to give uh, 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 Mark and Marie uh, a thumb and a half, by the way. So yeah. one and a half thumbs there. And uh, I'm going to go, move on on to uh, Bliss, of course. We'll see if we, uh, we can uh, get this out of the way before we go to war on uh, something in the far-flung future. Um, so Bliss, which is a new movie uh, starring uh, Owen Wilson and Salma Hayek. Owen Wilson is a sort of downbeat, middle-aged, I think he's divorcing or he's long divorced deadbeat guy who's let go from his job and whilst drowning his sorrows is told by a mysterious sort of ethereal woman played by Salma Hayek of course that um, in fact most of the other people in the world around them aren't actually real that they are effectively in the Matrix and they are the people from the real world and all the rest of them are just artificial constructs they're like uh, NPCs from Jumanji they just go through the motions Right. It's a Vanilla Sky type setup. And into this mix as well comes Owen Wilson's uh, college age daughter who comes searching for him at the same time, forcing him to uh, indulge the question, is his world real or is the so-called real world real? What does real even mean? You see all these people outside? They're not real. This is a simulation. You ready? There's my guy. Welcome home. 
This place is overwhelming. Dr. Isabel Clemens pioneered brain box simulations. Ugly, simulated worlds to generate appreciation for the real world. Now, why am I not remembering any of this? Don't worry about it. There I go. Most people say ignorance is bliss. But I say you have to experience the good to appreciate the bad. The other way around. So it stars Owen Wilson and it stars uh, Salma Hayek. You mentioned in your synopsis the Matrix and Vanilla Sky, right? You're mm-hmm. describing it like something like the Truman Show. Are we in the late nineties? <laughs> it's it is so weird. Okay, first and first and foremost, imagine right to, to accurately create a mental facsimile for you of this film. Imagine Jeff Nichols. You know Jeff Nichols who made like Midnight Special. Yeah. Right, imagine Jeff Nichols got asked to remake the Matrix, <laughs> and he chose to interpret it entirely as the exposition and training montages like that was his entire version of the matrix wow and he made it as something akin in scope and scale to midnight special okay it is so strange at times there is this uh, but at the same time it's really quite well made as well wilson's playing against type salma hayek is pl- leaning is leaning into her type to sort of because she's one of those only one of the only people around who can sort of effortlessly pull off the whole sort of is she or isn't she sort of on the level because she seems to be the bridge between what is and isn't real that has to come with a certain duality she's the perfect sort of candidate to play that yeah at the same time there's a bit of defending your life to it as well or uh, weirdly I find myself being reminded of that Frankie Boyle sketch in which Kit from Knight Rider was actually just a normal car being driven by a guy on PCP uh, <laughs> freaking out and <laughs> but there's um, a wonderful wonderful cinematography to it so ah. the way it, it shifts because obviously it's got two different worlds to depict and the way it, it signposts that you're in either is through this use of like anamorphic lenses and these these softer visuals and the uh, sort of shallower depth of field for you know what we're talking Hold this sort of the matrix and then you get this sort of amped color saturation lots of clean lines and just crisp brighter visuals for this comparatively more utopian quote-unquote real world it, and it's really really great work from uh marcus fordra who's the german uh, german cinematographer who worked on i origins uh, oh. with the director of this whose name escapes me uh, offhand to be honest but uh, it's a tremendous film. I, th- I would say if you're uh, a black mirror fan you want something like black mirror does the matrix definitely check this out it's nothing wholeheartedly new if you've seen the 13th floor or something like that but it's a very impressively done version of itself all the same and it's something both uh, enjoyable both uh, for and from owen wilson to be honest i'm really glad that that you enjoyed it because i was really worried that this was going to go down based on your synopsis or down that route of that god-awful film with uh, matthew mcconaughey and anne hathaway which turned out <laughs> serenity <laughs> yeah yeah serenity. I know that's it and i gotta go oh no have they got it wrong with this but it sounds like they've got it right this is like a i imagine a much softer version a much softer like i said jeff nichols version of existence the uh david cronenberg oh. from 1999 that came out around the same time as the matrix that, that's kind of what this is to the matrix in the same way how many thumbs are you going to give bliss I'm going to give Bliss, again, I think I'm going to give that a one and a half. I think it's a really solid, really enjoyable, really interesting uh, film. Nice. Okay, well, there we go. That's two solid recommendations from us there um, on your streaming platforms of uh, Netflix and also uh, Amazon Prime there. But next, coming up, we're going to keep you on your couch with your free view options and everything you need to watch on your telly box.
Welcome back to Off Screen, and as always, it's time for some filmic fun on Freeview. I do love some alliteration, Miss Perfect. I was just going to say, I really enjoy your alliteration there. <laughs> so, uh, sadly, I have no great segue from alliteration to um, our first film on Freeview, other than, you know, alliteration is a fun organisational system, something that comes in very handy if you're ever stranded on Mars. That's right, we are talking about The Martian again. I know we talk about this film fairly often. It's because we love it, don't we, Bex? We do, and if you have another chance to go and watch it which you do on film four at 9 p.m on tomorrow in fact uh, you should definitely take that opportunity to give it a whirl so matt damon stars as essentially the martian he gets stranded as he's a botanist who's part of a space expedition he gets stranded on mars and has to science the i'm not even going to say it to <laughs> to make sure that he can survive uh on uh on this planet on his own and it is essentially kind of a one-hander for him you know and we obviously see the rescue mission of people trying to work out how to get him back home but god it is not the film you expect it is far far funnier right let's do the math our service mission here was supposed to last 31 souls for redundancy they send 68 souls worth of food that's for six people so for just me that's going to last 300 souls which i figure i can stretch to 400 if i ration so i gotta figure out a way to grow three years worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows luckily i'm a botanist mars will come to fear my botany powers now you know i adore the hell out of this movie it, mm. i think it was it was tied with fury road for my favorite movie of, of 2015 and i think i i think fury road just edged it out for yeah. me, like just but even then i revisit the martian more often than i do well i was fury gonna road. say doesn't the martian lend itself more to general viewing than the, fury the, road? the funniest weirdest thing about the martian is watching it since covid since lockdown became a part of our lives and things like that and you suddenly <laughs> sympathize for the martian because in in the movie he he does it for three years yeah. and for, for a lot of us it's been nearly a year so suddenly the martian doesn't seem such an extreme survival tale except for you know the whole spaceman part but the actual being in isolation bit which was sort of originally the horror movie element of the martian now seems kind of almost sympathetic if you watch it today i've watched it once since lockdown um, I, I think it holds up. I think it's an absolutely incredible film. I think so. And I think this just goes to show that Matt Damon can hold a movie on his own, which is brilliant and not an absolutely. easy movie itself. I will also go so far as to call it the best film Ridley Scott directed for 20 years. So. Quite possibly. Let's forget about Prometheus. <laughs> that is uh, film for nine o'clock tomorrow night. Moving on, if you need something back down to earth, but uh, not in any way realistic, uh, we have Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom on iTunes. TV2 at 7.25pm on Sunday. I mean, is this your Sunday afternoon or evening watch? Maybe so, actually. Um, but this is uh, following the story uh, of Jurassic Park, um, another iteration of it, where after a volcano eruption proves to be a threat for the dinosaurs, Owen and Claire, played by uh, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, basically go back to reach the defun now defunct Jurassic World, which was a theme park to save all of the animals from existence extinction. Lockwood's little flunky called me. Rescue up. Save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? I'm going. Don't. I don't have a choice. What? Of course you have a choice. So what? I should just 
build my own cabin, play pool, and drink beer all day while these dinosaurs go extinct? Yeah. I like pool. Blue is alive. Jesus, Claire. You raised her, Owen. You, you spent years of your life working with her. You're just gonna let her die? Well, yeah. Come on, you're a better man than you think you are. You should write fortune cookies. I really like these new Jurassic World movies. I, I, I don't have any issues with them. They're watchable, they're fun, and, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard, Chris Pratt, I think they're good leads in this. Do you, Are you a fan? This is the thing. I don't understand the hate that gets lobbed at the Jurassic World films. I obviously appreciate that, you know, obviously as time has gone by, the need for practical effects has dwindled because it's just easier and quicker to make, harp, to make these things uh, in a computer for instance. But it's, it's you know, I feel it's just a natural part of our cynical time that people just rag on the Jurassic World movies for being these artificial, more disposable things. Of course they're never going to be as good as the original because we all seem to forget that the whole fun of the original was that was the first time we had seen that level of mixing CG with practical effects. Yeah. We were blown away by how real it looked. It was a watershed moment in the history of filmmaking. Not to mention one of the biggest, you know, biggest hits of all time. So, of course, nothing's ever going to live up to it, but I think this is really fun. I think this one in particular, because of the way that it goes, full South American horror in the second half, is of particular note. I think it's definitely worth a watch if you've never yeah. seen it, for sure. I think, I, think with, um, I think with the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World sort of, um, franchises, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't with this. Like, you know, you've got those diehard fans mm. that are like, this should never have been touched and never have been you know, like remade. And then you've got the others going, well, if it wasn't remade, we will just, it, it's a moment in time in which you'll kind of go, why didn't we remake it? So it, it's, it, it's, it's the Star Wars conundrum, isn't it? It's no matter what you release, if it's got that Star Wars badge on, it's going to come in for a certain level of criticism. Jurassic Park being the brand that it is, is just a natural target for it. You know, it would be like if there was, it was like, it'd be like if you released a, I don't know, a He-Man movie series, which they are actually doing. Oh and God, even if it was, <laughs> they are doing. I think it's Noah Centennial from All the Boys I've Loved Before or something. Is it? It's not. Um, oh, what do you mean? Uh, what is it? Noah Centennial. I think we're not getting Dolph Lundgren back. And <laughs> no, no, sadly not. Oh, I mean, I hope they give him a cameo or something. I at least want him to be like you know He Man's dad or something. Yeah. But, but but the whole thing is like if, even if that was the greatest movie in the world ever, yeah, it wouldn't matter because it's got that He Man badge on it. So it's just going to be a natural time for that level of inbuilt cynicism that we all have. Sure. Like we naturally want to rag on something that is known and popular. We all have to, you know, some of us are just better at fighting that urge than, than, than others. It's an unfortunate part of, you know, pop culture. But Speaking yeah. of unfortunate parts of pop culture, <laughs> let's move on to Monday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, this is, this give you some context of my, my growing up with the Child's Play movies, because what we're talking about is... It's Child's Play yeah. 3 on the Horror Channel, 11pm on Monday, right? So I watched mm -hmm. the first Child's Play movie far, far too young. I was out in the Philippines visiting my family and they decided to sit three of us youngest cousins together to watch a movie that I think <laughs> the, the adults thought wasn't necessarily a horror. They thought it was some sort of dull movie <laughs> and I think traumatised. what year was this? Oh, late 80s, if... 
if any. Oh, maybe it was Child's Play 2, I think it might have been. So, yeah, I was like, it's... I was going to say, because there was the whole... um, There was the whole controversy with this, that that the the film had been rented on VHS when it was a new release, as far as I remember, by one of the parents of James Bulger's Killers... Oh, and the film got blamed as one of the reason, one of the things that inspired them. That's what the the media quickly spun this story that right. Child's Play Three, by virtue of having been present around these children, you know, clearly had to have influenced them in some way. Despite the fact that it came from a rental store and didn't even feature the cover image, you know, that that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because so, yeah. what British video store did? Um, it became banned. It got taken out of circulation for uh, I think for a couple of years. I I'm pretty. Sure, the one I watched was Child's Play Two because that's the one that always brings in my mind. About was it, it the one that ends in the one, the one where the third act takes place in the doll factory? Oh, I was like five, so I can't remember. Oh. Yeah, actually, the dolls factory. Yeah. yeah, the dolls factory. First of all, that is the best one. Yeah, like, I love that one. That is my favorite one. It's the first one I ever saw. I love that doll factory stuff. That is creepy as hell. But Child's Play Three is the nasty one. Uh. Child's Play Three is the one where they decided, you know what, we're now just going to go grisly with this and so chucky goes from slightly less comedic like he was in the like less joker like like he was in the second one which is just all sorts of sinister fun i'm pretty sure that's why uh, that's why the the adults in the room got it completely wrong with the whole oh totally especially because the cover image and the poster is just him with the jack in the box yeah you could so easily misinterpret it as a comedy yeah that's exactly what the third one they they lean into it's chucky gets set loose on a military school for teens and it is hyper violent this one is nasty but best of all it's got miguel ferrer in it as like really a really nasty hard-nosed troop leader which is just one of my favorite things about any movie uh justin whalen who at the time was playing jimmy olsen in lois and clark the new adventures of superman yeah. uh, on bbc one or bbc two in the uk Wait, i can't what remember happened to jimmy <laughs> He was the second Jimmy Olsen, tell a lie, right. not the first one. The first Jimmy Olsen who got swapped out for the second wound up going on to Final Destination 2. The second one went on to Child's Play 3. That, that's how that worked. Also in the, in the mix is Perry Reeve, uh, future Mrs. Ari Gold from Entourage, who plays uh, love interest. I think her name's Skylar in, in Child's Play 3. But of course, the true reason to see any Child's Play movie is for Brad Dourif as Chucky. He's just incredible fun as ever, even though he's playing it a lot nastier this time. Uh, well, about as nasty as it gets up until they reboot this thing as a proper horror film all the way down in, I think, the fifth or sixth movie, Curse of Chucky. Brilliant. Okay, well, look, you can probably tell this was one of Van's picks of the week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's very passionate about it. Um, but if you guys fancy a scare on a Monday, then that is on your horror channel for you. Um, Child's Play 3, the nasty one. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk on the, yeah. the, you know, the Don Mancina-produced horror series that really no one cares about. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, moving on, uh, we will be back very shortly with more freeview uh, picks for you, which probably i promise actually no i can't promise this because i've just seen the lineup i was going to say it doesn't get as gruesome as child's play 3 maybe it does stick with us we'll be back looking to stay in the loop with the latest movie news then say hello to the daily reel your bite-sized hit of the biggest happenings hirings firings release dates scandals and everything else going on behind the silver screen delivered to your ears every weekday morning in less time than you'll spend in the shower Subscribe to The Daily Reel on all major podcast platforms or ask Alexa to install The Daily Reel skill for your morning flash briefing. Make your morning cinematic with The Daily Reel. 
Welcome back to Off Screen and welcome back to your Freeview Filmic Roundup. Uh, moving on to Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, which is the 9th of February, uh, on 4 7, 9 pm. You want to take this one away, Miss Perfect? What we got? I do. I really like this film. It's uh, Instant Family, uh, which is on, as you said, 4 7. This is one of my favorite actors, uh, Mark uh, Wahlberg, is in his. Uh... Yeah, Can we just take a second, a second to appreciate those words, which once upon a time sounded like the most ludicrous thing in the world ever one of my favorite actors mark Wahlberg. there was a a time in within lifetimes when the idea of putting actor next to mark Wahlberg was the stupidest thing anyone had ever heard what marky mark and the funky bunch what exactly (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean he's come into his own and he knows what works for him and he does it really really well and you know maybe it was maybe it was ted Maybe it was, uh, you know, for me, pain and gain, as we discussed last week. Um, mm-hmm. You know, who knows what it is? But he does these brilliant kind of every every guy kind of roles really well. Um, and he doesn't overplay the humour too much to make him look too gormless. But he does. He's he, he's really good. So Instant Family. He um, and uh, Rose Byrne play a couple and they basically decide to adopt a teenager called Lizzie. However... Lizzie does not just come as Lizzie. Yeah, she comes yeah. with two extra siblings, and instantly they become a family. Hey, hon. Hey. Hi. How's she doing? She's good. Oh, and check this out. I got here early, and Lizzie saw me, and she came over and just starts talking. To you? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Mom broke oh, it's okay. Calm down. I'm gonna fix you. Okay. Go. See? Thanks, Daddy. Did you hear that? I just got my first daddy. You suck! No fair! I want some of that. Hey, honey, Lita, can I help you with anything? I think this works better than anyone expected it to from the pitch, because I think the pitch initially, which was, you know, Rosebud and Mark Wahlberg are going to star in this comedy, you know, was announced not so long after the announcement for Daddy's Home 2. So it felt like Mark Wahlberg was just leaning a bit too heavily on this exact archetype. And even the poster for Instant Family does suggest it's exactly that film. You know, blank white background, family all leaning on one another. Hey, hey, good times, fun to have. You know, um, when you actually get to the film itself, the reason this works as well as it does is because it has far more of an everyman sense of humor far more of an accessible relatable sense of humor about the situation it is about that transition between being a relatively carefree adult and being a parent and exploring it in an interesting enough way at least mm-hmm. i thought anyway that it actually yeah. offers something up and it does give both mark Wahlberg and rose Byrne enough comedic material to work with as you heard in that clip which is oh that's not fair i wanted some of that man you know yeah. i was working for that you know me- the way that they uh, measure their success in parenting in a perfectly relatable and understanding way i think he's he's mined quite successfully yeah and to be honest value. if you told me there's a new comedy coming out which stars rose Byrne and mark Wahlberg, you you'd have me mm. in for the win anyway because i just think yeah. they're really strong you would, yeah <laughs> like I'm you like, kind of would were you you just yeah exactly i'd be like i'm there i'm watching it I'm going to be happy. It might be a three-star film, but actually I'm going to enjoy it because I enjoy them on screen. This pushes a little bit above that three-star because of the relatability of it. And I think, you know, the family members um, that come in, the three kids are together. They work as a really great dynamic. It's not too far-fetched, but it's funny enough to kind of go, oh yeah, I could totally see that happening. 
I think I remember now what my big gripe with the film was, and it was like you say, it's not too far fetched. And the problem is, I think in the third act they have to introduce like an like a, like a sort of courtroom custody type element, don't they? That's oh, yeah. low key festering in the background, but not really addressed for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and it does it, it sort of takes you away from the minutia, the ev- the fun of the everyday stuff, yeah. which is what the film does so well. And when it moves onto actual plot stuff, then it becomes a bit. Uh, a bit less engaging but it's still good it's still more than funny enough to to carry you over that so i can't yeah. recommend hard enough to check that out should we move on then to uh, itv4 at 10 p.m on wednesday yeah why don't why don't you move us along van ladies and gents i think you can uh, you can all work out which picks of the week van has chosen this week. <laughs> um, it's pretty damn obvious so go, take it away van <laughs> Predators. Predators is on ITV4. I love Predators. Predators was originally a Robert Rodriguez uh, project from the 90s. Like, he tried to make his own Predator 3. And then, eventually, over time, the Alien series had fizzled out. Uh, Alien Resurrection had been a moderate success. They thought, okay, let's start to sink some money into it. It would still spiral and go through a few development kicks. It would, you know, die and then get revived. And by the time it would come to, to come to fruition, Rodriguez was busy and he got Nimrod Antal, uh, who was an up-and-coming music video or commercials helmer, I think, to do it while he produced. And he came up with this sort of grittier reboot that sort of took it back to the, the, the more sort of artificial jungle aesthetic of the first movie, but this time placed the, the humans being picked off one by one on an alien planet. So yeah. when, now they've been abducted by aliens and they're being hunted by an alien. So basically just take the concept of the original Predator, but abduct them by aliens at the beginning and then have them hunted by said aliens, as Adrian Brody brilliantly attests right here. Excuse me, I'm just, what the hell is going on here? You're being hunted. The cages, the soldier, all of us. We're all brought here for the same purpose. This planet is a game preserve. And we're the game. In case you didn't notice, we just got flushed out. They sent the dogs in. Just like you would if you were stalking boar. Shooting quail. They split us apart and they watched testing us. How do you know this? Because that's what I would do. I love his gravel voice in this. Like, it's like Adrian Brody's Batman voice. I remember we talked about Predators a few months ago, maybe, and mm. you talked about, like, it's almost expect the unexpected from Adrian Brody because of this movie. He's yeah. like, your normal kind of Rambo-esque, Predator-esque, like Arnie-style character. It is still one of the most mystifying cast. Like, and the weird part is, it's not even unique to this entry in the Predator series because the Predator series, the franchise, just has this bizarre history of casting strangely against type actors as action leads. I mean, like Schwarzenegger, you get he was the action guy, and that makes sense. Just diehard director, Joel Silver producing. You see the rest of that cast: Bill Duke, Carl Weathers, Jeff. Ventura. That makes sense, you know. That that's that's an eighties action. Totally. But then for the for the second one, Danny Glover. Okay, 
Danny Glover. Okay, that's that's who I'd pit against an alien warrior. Yeah. It's so funny. I've literally I've been catching up on Lethal Weapon, so the fact that you say that and I'm like just seeing yeah. him. Yeah, it is because he's he's played as being so feeble in the Lethal Weapon yeah. series that it just it seems strange. You get to the third one, Adrian Brody, get the dude from the pianist to do it. Sure, that makes complete sense. After Danny Glover, that makes all the sense in the world. You you go nuts, Nimrod. And then you get to the fourth one. What's that one? The Predator, the the, the Shane Black one. And arguably the focal character of it is Jacob Tremblay, to which you can't help but think, you know what, fair enough. That fits with the history of this series. If Jacob Tremblay is going to take on the Predator, fine. Predator for Nickelodeon fans. There you go. We are. That's what that is. You want to get the kid from Room to fight the Predator? I'm in. So strange. Okay. Uh, Well, let's move swiftly on. So you can catch Predators on ITV4 at 10pm. Let's move on to one of the best movies I think I've ever seen and that will always be one of my favourite movies. It's on Sony Movies at 9pm. It is the Tony Scott movie, True Romance. Uh, So many quotable lines from this. So many brilliant performances. One of my favourite cameo performances from Gary Oldman in this is just amazing. Um, it's so good, isn't it? It's so good as Drexel. Um, but it is Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette's iconic movie. And like, this is the movie that when I watched, uh, well, there's two stories of this. When I watched it when I was a kid, I was like, I want to meet like Clarence Worley. Like, that's my dream guy. Mm. That's who I want, right? Uh, a guy in the Elvis glasses. And then when I got married, that head table was, uh, as you can imagine, true romance out of all the movie tables that we picked. So, um, you know, and uh, my now husband and I recreated photos or images from each movie, including this one. So, God damn it, I'd always plan to do that by way. Yeah, oh, you're taking right. that from me. <laughs> but this is uh, such, a, such a brilliant film, like down to like cameos from like Brad Pitt and Michael Rappaport's in there as well. You know, it's oh, just, he is, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, he is. And so it just moves through all these different scenarios and it's so much pop culture thrown in. Oh, I love it. <laughs> pop quiz for you. Do you know who plays Elvis in the sort of bathroom pep talk sequences? Because uh, I didn't. Him. I didn't know this for the longest time. I don't no, know. I just, I, when I think of the bathroom sequences, I think of James Gandolfini in the big fight sequence. <laughs> of course, yeah. You no, know, the pep talk, the pep talk moment. Yeah, I know what you're saying. No, I can't. I can't. Mm. Uh, it's Kurt Russell playing Elvis <gasps> in those scenes. And of course, Uh, the film, let us not forget as well, was uh, directed by, as well as being, I think it was written by Tarantino, wasn't it? But it was directed by the late, great, absolutely unrivalable Tony Scott, who I miss dearly as a filmmaker, would give us Man on Fire like a decade after this. But uh, True Romance, absolutely worth catching. What's our final film of the week then, Miss Perfect, in the next next few minutes? Do you know what? Van Van jumped at the chart. So so let me explain to you, ladies and gents, just kind of how this works for us week on week. So Van said, me a selection of movies and says take your pick we're going to run with them and then suddenly he crops up with but oh could we have this on this day and oh could we have this one on this day and um, you probably guessed which ones were Van's picks um, as we've gone through the week but I have to say he's ended the week on a high because this is one of the most brilliant independent films that launched the career of a young Florence Pugh uh, into the limelight and it is called Lady Macbeth. It is not what you expect. It's on BBC (laughs) Two on Friday from 11.20pm and it is so worth your time. So in a nutshell, she plays Catherine, uh, who uh, is newly married to quite a rich industrialist. And this is all taking place in Victorian times. She's forced to spend her days alone whilst her husband is called away um, for work. And so she begins this fashion... uh, passionate and fiery relationship with um, a young sort of stable hand or groom and it all gets a bit saucy. She won't speak. 
You know I shan't be parted from your life, Sebastian. Through hell and high water, I will follow you. To the cross, to the prison, to the grave, to the sky. I'd rather stop you breathing than have you doubt how I feel. I cannot recommend this film highly enough. I'd like you. I, I came out of this. I wasn't a big fan of Falling, and I think a lot of um, no. an early buzz around Florence Pugh had built up out of Falling, where she was really the sort of showcase character behind Maisie Williams, yeah. who at the time obviously had the Game of Thrones clout. So this is really the sort of the second big hit of Florence Pugh, but this is the movie I came out of, and I was immediately, you know, flag-waving member of the Florence Pugh Brigade. It's such a mature performance for her age. It is. It, it really is. And uh, she, she has got such presence. Like, mm. she instantly captivates you. And I think she's wonderful in this. Every time I, I think of Florence Pugh, I'm just instantly am filled with this 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 almost uh, longing desire to revisit uh, Midsummer again. But uh, <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> I might have to find like a Sunday afternoon off to subject myself to that. I think I the, told, the full I have, director's cut. I have told you about what happened to my team at the BBC. You did, yeah. You yeah. freaked them out, didn't you? <laughs> That's not my fault. I thought they were off to see Toy Story 4. They decided oh. on my recommendation to take themselves off to watch Midsummer in the middle of the day and uh, more fool them, <laughs> shall we say. Indeed, indeed. Well, you know, I think they would have had a very different reaction spending a Friday evening watching uh, Lady Macbeth anywhere on BBC Two. For me, I think it's one of the best films of the last sort of decade. I think Lady Macbeth is terrific. It's like Wuthering Heights meets, mm. I don't know, like I'm trying to think what it meets something else, but there's a, there's a, she is like Kathy in a way. It's, it's a strange... Mm. There's a strange sort of, uh, sort of dis- not dystopian. It, it, there's, there's a strange sort of feeling of emptiness around. But she, like you say, lights up the screen with her presence. And although it's, yeah. the pace is slow, she, that she's in, she's captivating enough. So you know that's why she's becoming the A-lister that she is. Is, is she's very powerful on screen presence. But Lady Macbeth, there you go. BBC Two, 11:20 p.m. for you. Your Friday night sorted, albeit a bit late um, on that one. Maybe want to press record and watch it during the day on Saturday. But. That's all your free view coming up. And if you guys have any recommendations, you can always let us know. We'd love to hear it. Coming up next, we've got your Blu-ray, your DVD, and of course, your streaming. Welcome back for one last ride off screen. And we're taking you down the Blu-ray and DVD aisle of our imaginary store, of course, because, you know, DVDs and Blu-rays are non-essential items, so you shouldn't be out buying them in actual stores. But if you were out buying essential items and you happened upon the DVD shelf, you can, from Monday, pick up a copy of Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor, which is out uh, on DVD and Blu-ray this week. We talked about this when it was on on new release. I think it was just before Christmas, wasn't it, Bex? Yeah. Yeah, you loved it. I said I don't like the I don't like the the poster. <laughs> it freaks the me post, out. The poster is really freaky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a yellowish poster with a very smudged, uh, horrifically smudged and smeared face. Great movie starring Andrea Riseborough as a hit woman, an assassin for hire. And her method, her method of assassination is to use effectively a neural link combined with like VR technology to hack into and control someone's mind. Said someone being a patsy that they will hang the assassination on, who they will, you know, like just fake the suicide of as they leap back into their own bodies, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like just walk up to the edge of the skyscraper roof and then just leap back into your own body just as he's falling and That's boom. Okay. 
your patsy's killed himself. So, you know, it's quite a clean, kind of a, 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 a assassination methods go. It's about as clean as the looper method. Anyway, yeah. uh, it's, into this mix, we have Sean Bean, who is a new target, who is a tech mogul, billionaire, industrialist type, um, who has been targeted for assassination by a business rival, who has chosen, as the patsy for this assassination, the prospective son-in-law, who's getting hitched to Bean's daughter, played by Tuppence Middleton, and uh, it becomes a, a, a tale of fractured reality as the link between the assassin, Andrea Riseborough, and a host body, starts to break down and the reality starts to come a-tumbling down with it. But our deal is with Reed Bars, John's stepson. And what's the narrative? Um, well, imagine Colin Tate as the unstable lover who feels diminished by his new family. Ava has all the power in the relationship. It's emasculating. He starts using more behavior, becoming more and more erratic. Ultimately, he breaks, killing John, kills Ava, kills himself. With Ava out of the picture, Reed inherits everything. Becomes CEO, cry, cry, cry for the cameras. Clean tragedy, no one answered questions. Pay is significant. Money and shares. I feel like you'd see this on your list on like streaming or, or, or video on demand or whatever you end up watching it on. And you'll kind of pass it by because you'll kind of think it's just a little bit. It, sometimes the marketing can go against it in a way. And I think this might push mm. me too far. I would go past this. I wouldn't want to watch this. But the way I, you describe I, I, it, I very much, I'd be interested. Yeah, I very much miss the, the, the VHS, you know, nasty horror grindhouse days of the late 80s and, and early 90s. Mm. It's a culture that I think, uh, you know, we, we, we're sadly lacking yeah. in this present day and age. I'm, I'm, I'm staggered that it hasn't become a movement in the same way that vinyl has, to be really well, honest. Tarantino uh, tried to bring back Grindhouse, but... <laughs> <laughs> he, he tried, he tried. And we do get some quite good, you know, throwback slasher films every now and again. But having, you know, a bon- what's essentially a bona fide next generation Cronenberg movie, yeah, is really something to behold. I, I, I felt watching this like, like I had not felt since the, you know, the first time I saw, uh, for instance, you know, Cronenberg's uh, The Brood or Videodrome. Or yeah. like that. I had that. Oh wow. Okay, we, we, we're going for something genuinely, you know, conceptually creative here. That's and we're doing it within this, this, you know, this gory science fiction horror infused dystopian ideal again something that's gone on to inspire things in more mainstream culture like black mirror and things like that in the years since i think uh i think it's a tremendous film i think think it's one of last year's best films hands down i think possessor is absolutely unmissable if you can stomach the gore which is going to be its big barrier for a lot of people i think you'll find something that this is the movie that for me last year delivered what tenet promised but failed to yeah which is, we're going to show you something that should be seen on a big screen that you won't have seen before, that's going to take you on a twisty, reality-bending, you know, adventure. Yeah. You know, a thrill ride. I didn't get that with Tenet because I'd seen all of that before. 
I got that with this. So if you're uh, if you're passing that DVD or Blu-ray aisle, or you're uh, just finding your finger or wandering over the uh, order now from Amazon button, can't recommend Possessor highly enough for your uh, DVD and Blu-ray shelf as of uh, Monday the eighth, this coming Monday. Brilliant. So over to streaming then, Miss Perfect. I've got a question for you on this. Our next pick, which is on Netflix. Um, I'm wondering if this is the retelling of the story of the phone hacking scandal starring Rebecca Brooks and the newspaper, because the title of the movie is News of the World. <laughs> No, this is the weird one because the release is quite quiet as well. Like, I feel like this sort of snuck up on us. This is a serious Oscar contender. Well, was it uh, mentioned in the Golden Globes? Was it? Did it get a nod? Yeah, yeah, this is a western directed by Paul Greengrass and starring Tom Hanks. What? Yes, it's 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 that big a deal. Like this has been, we've seen this in advance coming up as like a as you know an obvious Oscar contender. Like it's a western, Paul Greengrass, Tom Hanks. What's you know the last time those two guys were together was like Captain Phillips. Yeah, and we all we all saw the success that spawned out of that. I'm the captain but uh, yeah so this is uh, his oh. new west and we will hopefully get to review it this uh, this next week properly that's coming out on Wednesday the 10th on Netflix yeah. the same day however one that we can speak to that we will have seen I mean at least I know I've seen is uh, animated superhero romp from two years ago put out by DC and Warner Brothers this is Teen Titans Go exclamation mark to the movies did you uh, did you get the first ah. this one when it was out no but I did think that was a typo that you'd written on our scripts but I understand that it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because the TV show is Teen Titans Go! Exclamation mark. And this one is a sort of spin-off of that specific TV show. So it's Teen and Titans Go! There's some, there's some hard plastic toys that accompany this and uh, you can buy it all good toy retailers. Do you know if you did, it would kind of be playing into its hands. Now, the, the, first of all, I will say, the fact that, that no one has done this as a live-action film shows you the exactly the missed opportunity that the DCEU represents like you look at something like Teen Titans Go to the movies and you think oh my god if you'd just done this in live action it would have been the most incredible movie ever made it would have outmetted Deadpool it would have had a darker nastier sense of humour than anything we'd ever seen depicted on a screen for and yet at the same time would have been kid friendly in a strange way Um, so that that's where I'm sort of confused because you've just told me it's going to outwit Deadpool but yet it's kid friendly what's going on (laughs) bear with me it's insane it's nuts okay so the idea here is the Teen Titans go from the anime anime inspired wacky animaniac style superhero kids tv show yeah are are fed up and annoyed that they keep having to go to movie premieres for all of the older superheroes, like the 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 uncle uncle sort of step superheroes. So, for instance, you know, Robin doesn't like that he keeps having to sit through you know Ben Affleck's Batman movies, right? And yeah, and and for instance, like Aqualad doesn't like that he has to sit through you know the Jason Momoa Aquaman <laughs> movie, for instance, and and so on and so forth. And this and they're getting kind of annoyed. With it. And they, they're at the premiere for the latest one. Robin sees, oh my god, they're gearing up to announce another new Batman spin-off. Who is it gonna be? It's gotta be Robin, because we've had Joker, we've had Batman versus Superman, we've had Catwoman, it's got to be Robin's turn, and it's Alfred the Butlers. Uh. Which is which at the time was a really biting gag, like doing an Aunt May spin-off, yeah. only for um I, for one of the Warner subsidiaries to then announce like a month later that they were launching Pennyworth, the Alfred spin-off series. So that's a thing that happened, which then made the film even funnier. The idea is that they then set out to get their own spin-off movie. Right. And to do this, they need an arch nemesis and 
in order to uh, in order to uh, to garner the celebrity they need, they decide that Deathstroke, Master Assassin Deathstroke, is going to be their chosen nemesis, whether he likes it or not. Stop right there, Deadpool. Deadpool? What? I'm not Deadpool. I thought Deadpool was a good guy. Why does everybody think I'm Deadpool? You got them guns. And the swords. Yeah, well, lots of people have guns and swords, okay? Nah, I'm pretty sure you're Deadpool. Look into the camera and say something inappropriate. Oh, I'm not Deadpool. I am the greatest, most feared, most nefarious, most ultimate supervillain the world has ever seen. I am Slade. Yes. Oh, I forgot to mention Slade Wilson. Obviously, is his, is his civilian name. But yeah, I could see from your reaction there, Bex, that you were really digging that sense of humour, the tone of it. I just wish I was like a, a tween, because I would have loved. Like this is the this is like the mature humour that I mm. enjoyed as a young kid on like you know when when the eighties and nineties cartoons didn't patronise you and expect you to act like you're a child. This is actually absolutely. A- yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely that you've got it right on the head. Now, I would suggest, I'd recommend very highly that you actually just go and stream this film, like yeah, ASAP, uh, which is obviously going to be Wednesday the tenth. Do watch it because I think you will really love its sense of humor. Like I remember, I didn't go to the the week of, I think it was off the week that they they press showed it, and I remember talking to the older critics the following week and them all like being shocked at how much they'd loved it. And me being like, well, okay, I think that says a lot about the expectation of a DC movie that people went to see this. Obviously, it doesn't count as part of the DCEU canon, but then again, I'm sure that they can put a slide into uh, Flashpoint or whatever the Flash movie's going to be that Edward Ezra Miller is going to be starring in, you know, without Ray Fisher. And they can add that to part of the DC multiverse, I'm sure. Yeah, but, great. Yeah. I'm, I'm clapping here. You can probably hear me. I'm clapping. I, I'm quite Excellent. excited about that. Yeah. Good. Do check it. If you like, if you like a bit of Tiny Toons and Animaniacs yeah. and superhero comedy and Deadpool and things like that, check oh. it out. It's really worth it. Well, I mean, not that every, not that it doesn't happen every week where I end with a smile on my face to end the show, but this has particularly mm. got me excited about going of to watch course. that. So that's Teen Titans Go to the movies. And the best part is I get to keep your smile for this next week as well. That's, that's yes. the part that I love more than any. Thing. I'm going to keep your smile next week because on top of reviewing Tom Hanks's uh, News of the World, we've missed this over my stone cold corpse. Next week is the release of Willy's Wonderland. Nicolas Cage stars in the timeless romantic tale as a soulful janitor trying to find love through the devices of surviving a night in a Chuck E. Cheese run by murderous animatronic furry animals. <laughs> yep, Nicolas Cage versus furries. <laughs> this is probably one for you. Um, <laughs> yep. I can tell you, I have already seen it. Okay. And I can tell you, because I mean, I think there is, uh, there is an embargo, I think, on it until uh, next week. But I can tell you, it's the best movie involving Nicolas Cage curb-stomping seven-foot-tall gorilla animatronic furries against urinals that you're ever going to see. Well, ladies and gents, if ever there was a sentence to end our show, that is it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll leave you hanging on those tentacles for next week um, and for Nicolas Cage, of course. Uh, but for now, we hope you've enjoyed the selection that we've brought for you on uh, your new releases on streaming on uh, Freeview and also, of course, on digital uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, as ever, we will be back to keep you entertained with more brilliant movies week on week. My name's Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor and we shall return. Turn.